podcast one production. The truth about starting a business, crafting a career, having a family and managing to fit it all in. Superwomen, we ain't. From the founder of Boost Juice, Janine Ellis, and leading executive and career coach, Margie Hartley. Janine, I was at dinner last night, and the person I'm at dinner with, I said, oh, tomorrow I'm doing a podcast with Janine Ellis. Their response was, oh my God, she's the boss. She is superwoman. She's got four kids, an amazing business, 500 stores, internationally renowned. And I said... That's really interesting. Wait till you hear the title of the podcast. Are you a superwoman? Oh, look, as as we know, Margie, the perception and reality are so different, it's not funny. We see all these books, right? And it's a 10 tips for this, and if you follow these tips, guaranteed success. But the reality is, it's not a 10-point process. It is a hard slog. It is fantastic highs. It is scary lows. It is tears. It is parties. It is the whole gamut of emotion that comes into it. And no one actually gives you the real warts and all story. They only give you the, just do this, it'll succeed. So what we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes is all the real stuff, all the stuff you can't read in books, all the stories of the problems that you'll face in business and actually how to solve them. So as I've got to know you, I know your success hasn't been linear. It hasn't just been overnight. And people's perception that being this superwoman who decided to do something and then the success happened. I'd like to debunk that myth because I really know it's been incredible hard work. You've been extraordinarily resilient and you've learnt some amazing things along the way. Well, you go back to the start, don't you? In the sense that, you know, a lot of people say, I wasn't born with money or I didn't get the right education or, you know, how, how else am I going to get this knowledge to do their own business? Well, I think about how I started. I mean, my mum was a 50s housewife. She she said to me that, you know, if I became a secretary as the best option, then I would have been an enormous success. My grandmother was a cleaner. She was a type of woman that said, you know, don't hang out with those people, stick in your own side of the train tracks, you know, don't get above yourself. So I was brought up with the sense that women were the supporters, never the leaders. My grandmother actually wouldn't even believe that I actually would run a business because they said, no one could listen to you, Janine, because you're a woman. So that's how I was brought up. I mean, I went to a tech school. Do you you know what tech school is? Yeah. Tech schools were designed to create trades. Yeah, so I can actually do a birdhouse. I can solder. I can type 100 words a minute, but God forbid if Aspen has to spell something or the capital city of anywhere. And... That's what I want people to get from this, this, these episodes. Don't put labels on yourself with what you can't do from your background. Instead, just think about what you can. And also don't compare yourself to others. That's the thing that happens with social media now. People see people speaking the best possible life that they've got and they actually compare themselves to others and then are hesitant to actually step in and have a go. Oh, perception reality, isn't it? You know, they see Janine Alice and they go, well, okay, she has it all. You know, she's got the husband, she's got the kids, she's got the business, you know, she's got the business that's successful. And they have no idea the tears and the fears and the risks that's, that's involved in business and the problems, the myriad of problems that come through every single day in business. I'm really keen to learn what it takes to get what you want. 
you know, it's not all perfect along the way. But I also want to encourage people to have a go. As you said, it's belief, it's stepping in, it's saying yes, it's hanging in there when it's tough Mm. uh, rather than a list or a model of top 10 tips. Yeah, I love that saying yes. And I, and I know it's a theme that we use because both you and I know the power of yes, you know, and, and how that can change your lives. And, you know, being brought up in the suburbs of Baronia, one of the things that I really wanted to do was was travel. So it was a real yes to travel. So I literally got on an aeroplane and went off to America. So I worked for the San Francisco Girl Scouts and worked for, you know, disabled children, which was a huge experience, was a nanny in France and, <laughs> and actually also found myself in a really actually a really seedy place called Tenerife, Spain. And I was selling timeshare. And I think about some of the skills that I've picked up on this journey. And resilience was a real lesson I learned in Tenerife. This place was a place where I had guys in my car that we had contracts out in their lives. It was a place I was nearly raped. It was a place where um, I was offered drugs, money and cash to take money across borders. It was a place where I was travelling with a girl who was on heroin. And it was a time of resilience and problem solving. And the prob- some of the problems were, you know, I had a guy come in, a policeman come in one time. He was rolling a joint in my house. And this is a place where, you know, you get your head cut off if you get caught with drugs. And I said, look get out of my house. He said, no, well, you try and make me. I'll just tell him it's yours. So it was a... a How old were you, Janine? I was 21. Oh, my goodness. So at 21, and you've got to remember, I come from the burbs. So I had no... I was so sheltered. You know, there was no internet, no mobile phones. There was... There, you were on your own. You've got no choice. You've got to solve it. And probably the point that actually got me out of there was 15 of my friends, English guys, went to a pub, got into a fight, and all of them found themselves in jail. And they were in jail for three months without even a trial. At 21, 21. you grew up, really, during that experience, having n- not... Your eyes were opened, weren't they? Well, they were opening... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you are, you know, you're 21, you're working it out. This is the first time. I feel like I'm in some sort of, you know, born movie. But then again, I look back and go, thank God for that because it taught you problem solving. It taught you resilience. It taught you not to be a victim, actually definitely not to be a victim. So I sort of got on a catamaran and headed off to the south of France. And so here I am in the south of France, again, problem solving people, had nowhere to live had $40 to my name. I'd already cashed my ticket at home because that was an intelligent thing for a 21-year-old to do. And, you know, what do you do? You went to the local pub and talked my way into a job on a boat in a place called Villeneuve-le-Bay in the south of France. And six weeks later, David Bowie bought it. Oh, my goodness. I know. How cool was that? Really amazing. So you were on a boat as a stewardess? Yes, I convinced them that there was a huge yachting industry in Melbourne. And so I had all this experience because there wasn't Facebook was at the say, time. There was no Google to check out <laughs> that, whether right. that is true or not. So you're, you're there in the south of France, you're being a stewardess, you're faking it till you make it. Yeah, absolutely. Mind you, it wasn't that hard. You could clean and serve and just smile a bit. So it wasn't actually that hard. So I've got a bit of a question for you. You're 21, girl from the burbs. You've got out of some tricky situations and now you're mixing with David Bowie, and I'm sure plenty of his friends, rich and famous. How'd you cope with that? That was probably the best lesson I learned in People Are People. So, yeah, I'm a girl from the burbs. So these rock stars and movie stars are super gods, right? They're not just mere humans. It's that perception and reality. And what you find is these people are just people. You know, Mick Jagger is a lovely guy, amazing guy, and apparently women that play the piano are great in bed. 
that's one thing I learned from Mick Jagger. Don't know why or how, but that's what he said. David Bowie was the most divine man on the planet and was a great loss, a terrible loss. But I got to meet some incredible, incredible people, but they were people. The one thing in business I wish people can take into account, that whoever you meet, you they are just people. A woman came to me recently and said, Janine, I get really intimidated when I go into, a, into an office of men. I said, that's your problem. It's not theirs. They are there for outcome. And you would come across this also in business. Yeah, absolutely. And so this idea, debunking the myth that, you know, you have to act differently in front of people who've got more experience or whatever it might be. Yes, we're respectful, but people are people. And I love this idea of debunking this myth. Mm. And that was, I talk about the lessons travel taught me, that was one of the best lessons. So I could come back in the business world and I never thought I was less than anyone because I saw the so-called rich and famous and the most wealthy, successful people in the world and some were nice and some were not so nice. I also met some of the poorest people in the world and some were nice and some were not so nice. So for me, I sort of sat back and went, it was a real aha, went, okay, people are literally just people. And, you know, as I said, I I left school at 16. So I haven't got a university degree. I haven't got anything like that. But yet I'd sit into a room of people who are far more educated than me and go, I respect their knowledge and I will try and suck that knowledge dry from them, but I'm not less than you. Fantastic. Now, there's a there's something I want to ask you with your permission. There's a really important part of your life that's about to happen there. And you could have stayed on that yacht and then moved around in that circle and stayed in that circle for a long time. But something happened. When I was when I was working on Bowie's boat, you know, it was a, an extraordinary journey, you know, Cannes Film Festival, Monaco Grand Prix, going to the Caribbean, all that sort of stuff. But when you're on a boat, you're in a tin and the people that you work with, you get to know very well. They're your family, you know, because you are with them 24-7 because we work three months without a break. And on that boat, I met the engineer and he was a lovely man. And through that relationship, I found myself pregnant. So I'm in the south of France and going, right, I'm pregnant. Now, this guy was a lovely man, but he wasn't my man. And I knew that he wasn't my long-term person. And so I do remember specifically at the time finding myself pregnant in the south of France going, I know that I'm not with him. Can I be a single mum? And what do I do? I'm 25 at this stage. And the and I just went, no, I can do it. I don't know. I didn't know what that meant for my future. But all I knew was, yes, I can do this. And yes, I'm going to have this child. And and literally 27 years old, I um, came back to Australia with my little boy in my hand. No money. And no money. Uh, people can really relate to that, um, this idea of having nothing and having to like pick yourself up and move on. Well, who in this earth hasn't had a situation in their life that they've had a, a potential life-changing moment where they've had they've thought they were going on one path and suddenly are on a completely different path? And that is what happened to me. I'm now 27 years old. I am now living in Baronia as a single mum after living the rock star, literally the rock star lifestyle, and I'm starting again. And it, you know, you do have a pity party and go, God, I'm living with my parents. Can I believe it after what I've done? But that was my reality, you know. And you know, thank God for my parents to be able to help me and support me, so I can get on with with supporting this two year old. And then, then I had the dilemma of. There's no yachting industry, damn it. No, despite the fact that I told them there was, there actually wasn't for me to get a job. And I was really fortunate 
There was a man called David Putnam who, do you remember the movie The Killing Fields and Midnight mm-hmm. Express? Great, yeah. great classic movie. If anyone's listening, go watch it. He was the producer on that film and he actually, I, I met him in the Caribbean and he said, and we got along really well, and he said, Janine, I'm a, I have contacts in Australia. If you ever go back to Australia and need a job, let me know. And the other thing in business which you learn is that you take every opportunity you can and you grab it by the balls. And so I'm in Australia. I hadn't been, I haven't lived in Australia for nearly 10 years. I had zero contacts other than this one amazing man who said he'll introduce me to, to Village Roadshow. So I gave him a call and sure enough, here I am, 27 years old, never had an experience in my life sitting in front of the CEO of Village Roadshow and he's offering me a job as a manager of the cinema. Amazing. So <laughs> you became cinema manager, you knocked that out of the park, I am sure knowing you. Not sure it was knocking out of the park, but, you know, you you find a way and that's what you do in business. When you get challenges, you find a way. Look, from there, I actually ended up finding myself a job at a place called United International Pictures and suddenly I'm around movie stars and rock stars again and learning those lessons that people are just people. So I'm with people like, you know, Reese Witherspoon, Robin Williams, Patrick Stewart, Patrick Swayze, all of these incredible people again. But again, they were just people. So it was a great lesson. But that was actually a turning point for me. Me because like well, I was look. I was at this stage. I was twenty nine years old, and the girl that had the job prior to me was a girl called Rachel, and she was one of those classic matchmakers. And she had a mission in life to to actually find a girlfriend for her friend Jeff Alice. And the first time we met, you know, he sort of went, "Oh, she's wearing country road jeans." Yeah, we we're shallow, shallow people. I went, "Oh, he could have better teeth." And so, yeah, we were yeah right into each other. Not, and then we went, "Okay," but she kept at it. She went, "No, no, you are." Perfect, please, please. So I went, okay, all right. So we went on our first date and seriously, the earth moved. It, oh. it was, my world suddenly became very open. And so off we went. But I always tell my children, and this isn't just for children, it's for everyone, the people who you surround yourself with should help you make you the best person you can be. And Jeff was that for me. He had more faith in my ability than I ever did. He had his hand smacking them on my back, pushing me forward. You know, we talk about I wasn't the girl that had the lemonade stand. So my entrepreneurial spirit came when I actually met Jeff and the ability to know I could do anything. So Jeff believes in you and then... Boost and success. Is that the... Yeah, easy, wasn't it? That was all it was. We went, let's do it. 500 stores, hard, yeah. No, clearly not. Look, the reality is there is not one successful business owner out there that hasn't had failures on the way. And we had our failures. We tried to... to we tried to tour comedians. That was a disaster. You, I mean, you've worked with comedians. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I didn't make any money out of it. I think you'd do better than I did. Uh, we, t- we published books. We had something called Love Checks. All were failures. And it was actually only on a trip to America that I saw the category over there of juice and smoothies. And in Australia, there was really nothing that you could go out and actually get something healthy. And my mission was to get more fruit and vegetables into our consumers. And so that was my mission. And so suddenly I found my passion, which was Boost Juice Bars. And look, the reality is it was actually a team 
that got Boost going. Jeff had a full-time job, so he didn't put much physical hours in, but he was an incredible marketer. And I had that ability to be able to, no matter what people threw at me, I could make it happen. So I was the one that put it together. So he looked after the leases. I looked after basically everything else. So he, because he didn't know the detail, however, he would go off and sign all these leases. So he actually went off and thought he was so clever and he signed off 25 leases. Now that put us into debt of about five to six million dollars, more debt than I could probably pay off in five lifetimes. So he sort of went, here, haha, done my problem, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off, back to my radio job. And here I was having to build all of these doors from scratch. Can I just, because I just want to pause there. You've got how many children at this stage? Oh, at this stage I had three children and I was still breastfeeding. Three children, you're best breastfeeding. Your husband, who has a big belief in you, has signed a hundred store lease. And no, you, it was uh, 25 store lease. 25 store lease and you have to make it happen. Yes. And it's pretty much living out of your and working out of your home. Yes. And the reason we were working out of our home is because there was a point in the business where you businesses are this huge machine of sucking money, right? It's just called a big black hole of expenses that goes in and very little comes out at the start. And so we got to a point where we either had to find other investors or sell the only asset we had, which was our family home. And I had just built this family home and you know, obviously the bank owned most of it and we had, I think, maybe $200,000 worth of equity. And so we sold the family home, put all the money into the business. So we were all in. I mean, this couldn't fail. Like we were, this, this, you know, there was no other option. So I went from naivety that I could do anything to absolute sheer fear <laughs> that I could lose everything. So it's 18 years of absolute sheer pressure, rocking in the corner, fantastic highs, incredible successes, incredible failures, sleepless nights. I mean, that's a reality. If it wasn't a 10-point plan, you follow these 10 tips and you will be successful. That's not how business works because you know what business is? Business is like a big Volvo. A Volvo, however, that's got 400 million airbags, so you don't know where you're going to get smashed. But you know this, you know, you've got your business, Graham Consulting. You've got 16,000 hours of leadership team experience. And so you know this space. You've, you've heard, I'm a sample size of one. You have a sample size of squillions of people in this same sort of situation. So I'd love to hear your view on this. I've dealt with all sorts of people. Uh, really successful people and people who've had a hard time, failures, etc. I love working with people to help them achieve their goals. That's what I do for a living. But the things that I've learned are that life's not easy. Um, it's not fair all the time. People are not always nice and stuff gets in the way and things that we bring ourselves that get in the way, like self-doubt, lack of belief, self-sabotage, and then other real things that we can't control get in the way as well. Mm. So I'm, I'm, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't until I was 40 that I actually started Graham Consulting Group because I was, a lot of other things happened along that way. Because you're also a CEO, weren't you? Because we, I spoke about in my story about dealing with comedians. You, who did mm. you work for? Well, look, I started, I had a really non-linear career, the stuff that we've talked about. I started my life in book publishing and 10 years later, um, with a variety of jobs in between with 
you know, Michael Edge, the International, as the National Advertising and Publicity Manager, opening comedy clubs at the Hilton, a failed television producer. Um, um, I was a tour guide in Europe for a while. But I ended up as 29 as the head of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival where it had... Um, it was struggling a bit and there was there was a bit of debt and they'd asked me to come in with a few other people to really help remodel and bring the team back together. And then I ran the 93 and 94 festivals and it was just fantastic. So you've got, so we're at 29, so there's a bit of a gap here because you're at 29 and you're being a CEO running the, the all the comedy festivals and then there's 40 that you started your business up there. I know you you went to Papua New Guinea, was it? Yeah, look, I, I, like you, fell madly in love with my husband. We were married within nine months and I was running the comedy festival and he had a, a big job and um, uh, in a corporate environment and he came home one night and he said, I've been offered a job in Port Moresby. I, um, to be honest, I knew where Papua New Guinea was, but I had to look it all up in the map. And I said, what do, we, what do we do up there? What does it look like? I said, yes. I was madly in love. And we also had the promise of making a fair bit of cash pretty quickly. Um, and so we went up to Papua New Guinea and I gave up what was ostensibly the best job in the world. I, I chose to do it. But when I'd been there six weeks, I was so bored and so overwhelmed by this new environment that I never had any clue existed. I didn't know clue existed that women would sit together and have morning tea and drink champagne and sew. And I sew. Was, <laughs> yeah, seriously, I was a girl who stapled. I, the Anything that was needed a hem was a staple job for me. So I was in an environment and I wasn't thriving. So I called my husband. <laughs> Do you wonder why? Oh, I called my husband and I said, you need to get home now. And he said, has somebody hurt you? I said, no, 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 you just need to come home now. And he arrived home and I literally pushed him against the wall and said, get me pregnant now Lucky or I you. have to go home. <laughs> so, the result of that was three beautiful girls in two and a half years because I found something. Hang on, two and a half years, three girls. Yeah. The, uh, Irish twins? Yep. I found something I was really good at, getting pregnant. So the girls were born, the first two girls were born 10 months, 10 days apart and <sighs> then was pregnant with Grace and we returned back to Melbourne. Um, I surrendered to motherhood with three girls under two and a half mm. and then my husband came home and said he'd been offered a job, his dream job in Sydney. And I wasn't working. I had the girls and I said, okay, let's all go to Sydney for three years. And so when we get to Sydney, I'm um, the mother of three girls under three. We moved into our house and I'm starting to feel tired. And you'd kind of That's think kind that of that normal, was isn't it? normal. Exactly, Janine. But it turns out that um, I had a really rare and aggressive cancer called a choriocarcinoma. So one night I was feeling so sick that I was taken to the hospital by um, my husband and we ended up... Um, I ended up dying on the floor of North Shore Hospital from internal bleeding because my spleen had a tumour in it which had um, rupt, was slowly rupturing. So um, it was a pretty horrible experience. So fast forward 10 days, um, I haven't seen the girls. In those 10 days, um, my one-year-old came into the hospital and stared, me, stared at me and was really unsure of who I was. So it was heartbreaking, but I was fighting for my life. And over the next period... I had, you know, intense chemo, um, uh, and a whole raft of treatments. But the next three years, really, I spent actually my profession in my 30s was getting better. 
And I, I'm so happy to say I'm here. <laughs> and that was an enormous, enormous um, achievement with a lot of help from all of the people around me at the time. Gives you perspective though, doesn't it, of what's yeah. actually important. And It does, but I didn't come out any better as a human being. I had a new experience to add to my kit bag, but all these people who say cancer was the best thing that happened to them, okay. absolute rubbish for me. My experience was incredibly debilitating and annoying and impactful for lots of people around me, but I had some lessons that I was grateful to take out of it. So really for you then, so from pretty much 29 to 30, it was really a decade before, nearly a decade before you actually started your career. Yep. So, so there's a lot of people out there, isn't there, that, that might be even listening today who goes, oh, I can't make a change, I can't start, I'm too old. But you've got an incredible successful business and have helped some amazing executives to hit their peak. Yeah, so it's true. Um, that 10 years from, let's just call it 30 to 40, I spent fighting um, my illness, I spent dedicated to the girls. And when Gracie, my last um, child, went into kindergarten, which it was in Sydney, first year of school, I said, okay, what can I do? I need to reinvent myself because I can't sew and I don't want to have cups of tea and I need I need to be fulfilling um, something inside me. But there was a lot of limitations, Janine, because I had been ill. I had to look after my health. I had three girls under five, oh, sorry, under seven at that stage and we didn't have a lot of family around us in Sydney and so there was this sort of um, tension there where I wanted to jump out. I started a job at the ABC and lasted a day. I gave them their job back because it wasn't quite right. I had another. You really stick at things, don't you? <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. I was really clear that this wasn't going to work for me. I um, had another couple of attempts where I almost got some jobs in the arts, but they required me to be out five nights a week. So, what made you go into Graham Consulting? Well, really, it was a it was a moment when I was thinking, what can I do, and what are my strengths? So, I took the time to sit back, which is really interesting mm-hmm. because. This is what I do with a lot of people now, helping them find their pathway into navigating proper careers or business. And I was there and I thought, well, what are the things that I'm actually really good at? What is the way that I want to work? And what are the things that I um, can actually start to do now that will fit in? So looking at strengths, capabilities and the opportunities. And um, I was having a coffee with somebody and they said, would you like to facilitate this career development program? And I said, oh, I'm not qualified. Classic example, classic low confidence, having been out of the workforce for a while and also having been ill. And I just stepped into the job. I gave it a go and I said yes. Yeah, the power of yes is actually quite incredible because it's so easy for people to say no and just be victims. And on the flip side, I have to tell you, Janine, every time I've said yes, I get incredibly anxious. That anxiety that bubbles in about doing something that I haven't done before, being nervous, scared of the failure. But I know that every time I do it, I feel so great at the other end. I've either learnt something or it leads to new things. And that's why I'm sitting here with you. It's funny you say that. I do a bit of public speaking and every time before I go on the stage, my nerves, they go insane. I actually do have to do pranayama, which is breathing, to sort of just calm myself down before I go on. And you stand there and people just go, oh, she's got it under control, she knows it. But, But this is what this podcast is about. It's perception and reality. Because life isn't an Instagram post, is it, Janine? (laughs) It's not a 10-point plan. It's not taking a book from the shelf and following the model. 
No, you're right. You need resilience. You need to be surrounded by great people. You need sheer bloody determination. You need to find solutions to all the problems that's going to be thrown at you. And the reality is we ain't no superwomen, but God will find a way. Superwomen We Ain't is a Podcast One production recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne. Executive producer is Grant Tothill, produced by Brooke Carrigan, audio by Darcy Thompson. 